Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Plus, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another installment of MSP Webinars. I know it's a weird time. I know this is a weird background, uh, but we have to do things a little differently today. Um, today, we have Jamie from Envirosoft uh, joining us to, to educate us on his software tool. And I'm just going to come right out and say, um, I find it to be a product that's very similar to Desk Director. Now, I know Jamie, you know, he owns the product, so he, he wouldn't say things like that. But, um, but, but it's, it's, you know, it's a client portal application. Um, so I will, I will let uh, Jamie educate you guys more on that, and he'll also introduce you to his guest. And uh, as always, uh-oh, it says chat is private. I need to fix that. So chat is not private and everyone can. Um, as always, I'm going to leave questions in the chat and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Uh, Jamie, please take it away. Uh, thank you, Steve. And uh, pleasure to be here. really appreciate the, the opportunity. And I guess uh, I'll get here with the presentation. Uh, thank you to you and to Andrew, who is one of our partners uh, for joining today. And of course, all uh, the attendees that have made the effort, uh, I'm sure we'll make it a riveting experience for you. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to take a few gold nuggets away at the very least uh, to help your MSP. So uh, very much appreciate that. Uh, it would be good at the start of the uh, presentation, just to, if, if the MSPs on attendance would like to put in uh, a couple of data points which would be quite interesting uh, just to understand as we go through the presentation and I can try and tailor uh, what I'm talking about in relation to that. So if you want to, you don't need to, but if you want to, which would be helpful, um, if you could jot down um, how many support managed support clients you've got, so the, the clients that are actually paying a monthly fee, uh, how many desktops and laptops you have under management and certainly how many tickets a day you're getting, uh, that would be quite helpful. So to kickstart uh, the agenda for today, uh, I will be talking about the Envirosoft story, how we, how we came to be, uh, and uh, we'll be talking about the problem that we were solving at the time, uh, the solution that we came up with, the ROI. Uh, we'll also um, spend a bit of time speaking to Andrew, who will give you a bit of uh, commentary around his implementation of the software. Uh, we'll do a live demo and uh, Whilst Q&A is at the bottom of that list, uh, of course, uh, feel free to ask questions all the way through and Steve will moderate that 
and ensure that uh, I am alerted to any pressing questions that you have through the presentation. So uh, the first thing I should say is that, uh, yes, we are a competitor to Desk Director. So uh, hopefully that makes it clear that this particular segment of the market is, uh, is an important one. Um, now, Envirosoft as a company was founded in 2017. And so we've invented the latest client portal app for Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android. We actually have a patent pending, would you believe? Uh, and uh, our products include IT support panel, IT news panel, and IT apps panel, which you can see at the bottom right-hand side of the screen, the logo's there. And this year, we're a finalist in the uh, Australasian Startup Awards. As you can tell from my accent, uh, I'm obviously from uh, Australia, but uh, was born in New Zealand, so the double threat. Um, now, a little bit about me, just so you understand where I'm coming from. I actually founded an MSP in uh, eNerds in 2000, age 22. So I think it's point to note that uh, being an MSP and living and breathing being an MSP is very much in my DNA. I've never actually had another full-time job other than being an MSP. So uh, any questions you have, I'm sure I'll be able to answer and uh, certainly sympathize with all the things, all the issues and the experiences that we have along the journey of building this type of business. Um, so we've managed to build it up organically, so no acquisitions to uh, 7 million in revenue and 40 staff. We've got 5,000 desktops, laptops uh, under management. I've taken the role of chairman of the board while I focused as CEO of Envirosoft. We've sort of got the business to a size where we've got a, a stable management team. My brother is actually part of the MSP, so it makes it even easier. Um, eNerds has achieved a few little wins over the years. We've been named SMB IT Partner of the Year uh, the last three years, which is a, a nice little win. And we've been in the MSP Mentor 501 uh, from 2011 to 2017. And uh, I was uh, on the MSP Mentor 250 list, uh, which was a, a nice little honor to be a part of. So just to give you a bit of the history of uh, how this particular product came about, uh, way back in 2009, uh, my MSP had got to the point where at that stage, I'd say we had about 20, 22 staff. Uh, we were still getting about 75 tickets a day. Um, and uh, interestingly, most of those tickets were actually coming through uh, over the phone. And uh, uh, so it was becoming a, an issue around productivity and uh, I was finding in my MSV and, and some of the ones on the, uh, on the webinar might sympathize is that you, you get to a certain size and you start to really, um, you, you really need to implement processes in place to, to improve productivity. And uh, my staff were constantly saying, we don't have enough staff, we need more staff to handle the workload. And I was looking at the numbers thinking, well, hang on, it, it doesn't make sense to be hiring more and more people. Um, it's a point to note that in Australia, uh, labour costs are actually quite high. So the thought of doing that at the time um, was, um, was troubling to me. So, so that was the, the problem that we were faced. And in search of an actual solution, uh, we realised that um, we started reflecting on how people actually engage. So if you think about um, the fact that they were really just calling us um, for the most part, we started thinking, well, how can we make sure that these how can we reduce phone calls and increase productivity in that regard? And we started reflecting around onboarding new clients as well. So, you know, when you guys uh, and when we all sign up a client, so let's say we were lucky enough, we're in November now, 
um, and we signed up a client that was starting 1st of December. What do you actually do when you start providing your support services on day one? Okay, so do they, do you send out mouse pads and, and squeezy balls and pens or stickers across all the devices so that all of the users of the new company know who you are? So let's say that company has 20 staff, you might have done a deal with the business owner, so that person knows who you are. Maybe their second in charge knows who you are, but the other 18 people haven't got a clue. So on the first day um, of support, it, it seems a little unclear. And so, um, and this is back in 2009. So we basically found that um, uh, that that just seemed a little too 1990s. You know, we, 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 there has to be a better way of of actually engaging with the customers, and and so. We, we also thought, well, there's not really much visible value there. A lot of that stuff we talk about, stickers and all those sort of things, they're perishable and they can be lost and, and so on. So we were really striving for uh, a better experience. So I guess the next thing that we then thought of was like, well, why why don't they use the web portal? And, um, and what we realized was is that it really comes down to a behavioral issue. So uh, effectively, the, um, the end user uh, doesn't know where to go in terms of web portals. It's very hard to have that web address standardized across every device. And remember, across your clients, um, users are coming in and out all the time. So effectively, uh, we realized, well, it's probably more of a behavioral thing that they're not using the web portal because when, if, even if they find it, they don't know what their login details are to get in there. So, you know, people are, are like water. They'll go down a mountain the easiest way to get to where they need to go. And so phone calls is one of the things that was... Um, uh, the easiest thing that they could do. So, you know, email, uh, a lot of you might be thinking, well, I get a lot of email, um, and email is the alternative in terms of online getting the actual tickets, and it, and it works, but it's not great. And the reason why it isn't great is because uh, you don't often get all the information that you need. Uh, you're often having to go back and forth in terms of uh, uh, clarifying points of, of what they're trying to ask for. And of course, it doesn't fill in the fields of the ticket in your PSA. Uh, therefore, you just spend more time doing admin around uh, logging the ticket. Uh, so basically, uh, and the other uh, other point, I guess, about phone calls is that you know there's a lot of wasted time around the edges of a phone call. You know, it, it's great customer service; they get to speak to someone straight away. But at the end of the day, when you're in a business that is time orientated, um, it's it's the time around the edges of the call that incrementally over time start uh, etching away at your productivity. And as you scale an MSP, you, you know, the more you grow, the more tickets you get, um, and the more work that you've got to do. So any way that you can try and get the most um, uh, productivity out of the capacity that you've got is super important. Now, I just want to clarify, Steve, it says Andrew's the presenter. Are you guys still seeing my, my presentation? I'm not. Stevie there. Okay, so I'm now the presenter again. So sorry guys, hopefully you can see that presentation. So that, that's all I right. I do not see a presentation. Do you see it now? Nope. Share window screen, share. There we go. There we go. Yep. So I think it popped out slightly there as I was talking. So we can see that. So that, that was what I was talking about in terms of the poor customer experience, onboarding clients, the stickers and, and the visible value, the better experience. And certainly, um, 
in terms of learning about why, what's the behavioral issue that they don't use web portals and why email is frustrating. Uh, so that's what I was talking about there. And I guess the third thing that I was just touching on is the engineer productivity. So every time we were realizing that an engineer has to fill in the ticket type. So if you get an email, you got to fill in the ticket types of the actual ticket uh, and set it all up in the PSA uh, incrementally, even if it's just 60 seconds, even if it's two minutes that you spend every time, every day, every ticket of a year doing that, uh, incrementally it does uh, uh, affect your productivity. So um, we found that if, uh, and the calculation that I've got there about $50,000 a year, we realized, well, if we're spending about five minutes a ticket either on the phone or if it comes in on an email and we have to go back and forth and confirm it and fill in the, the ticket types, if you do uh, five minutes um, by uh, eight hours, uh, sorry, by, sorry, the number of tickets a day, which we uh, averaged at 15 tickets, so five minutes times 15 tickets times 260 days times an average hourly rate of $150 an hour, you can start to really understand that there is a lot of lost productivity and if you translate it to your normal charge out rates, um, it is quite valuable. So over time as you grow, it's super important to try and improve productivity, get the most out of the capacity that you've got and, uh, and, and so that you can be more profitable. And this comes into effect in terms of, it, it comes in in waves in terms of growth. So when we were five staff, um, obviously you're getting less tickets. When we hit sort of 10, 15 staff, you're start, starting to notice a big difference. At 20, 22 staff, we're getting up to the 75 tickets. Now with 40 staff, we're getting about 100, 110 tickets every single day. So productivity is, is a big part of the, the piece. So the solution, um, we decided to build an app in 2009 and um, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. A lot of the benefits we, we'll be talking about today, um, I'd like to say we, we had foresight into uh, knowing that they would all come out of the product, but um, of course, we were really just trying to reduce phone calls and, and improve productivity and improve the customer experience. And so we basically built uh, IT support panel uh, and we, we see it as that powerful app that your clients can use to access all of your IT systems. So uh, when we were at the, um, uh, we were just at IT Nation and Arnie Bellini for ConnectWise was talking about the fact that his PSA, uh, he wants to see it as that one pane of glass for uh, the end uh, customer or for, for the MSP. We would like to see our product to be that one pane of glass for, for the end user. And so we kind of see this as the missing piece of the MSP stack and certainly where we believe IT support should go and, and we're sort of talking about it as IT support 2.0. Um, so I guess the big thing about our product is that um, you can customize the brand, the logo, the buttons, the news, and the apps per client and down to per user. So you have complete configurability to be able to customize it per client. So the news feature that you see there is basically a rotation news, so it flicks through news articles and links to URLs. So it's wonderful to be able to increase engagement with your services. One of the issue with um, being an MSP is that we often can only really communicate to the main contact of our clients. So if you wanna send out information, um, it tends to be just to them. With uh, news panel, now let's say you've got 500 uh, desktops, laptops under management, and you've, and you've got say 50 clients. So instead of speaking to 50 people, you can now get 500 eyeballs starting to read your news, starting to read the updates and, and so on and so forth. 
about your business. And remember, you can customize that uh, per client. So if you're doing a network upgrade for a client, then you can actually customize the news for them for a period of time, explaining to all the users what's going on. And then after that's done, turn it off and go back to the uh, standardized news across all clients. Uh, the IT apps panel is the section down the bottom. Uh, a lot of people get confused by it. Basically, the problem we were solving there is that in this day and age, the desktop with all the icons on it uh, is getting quite messy. And uh, certainly uh, because of the fact that there's SaaS apps that are all in the browser uh, and then, then need to be bookmarked and you've got network apps, Citrix and terminal services and the like. So what we were solving there was being able to say to a client, look, it's becoming messy. I will add more value to you by being able to add these apps uh, in our nice uh, panel. It means that your staff just need to remember to go to the IT button. They can access all of their apps. Those are basically just uh, path, uh, pathways to get to the app. So you can do URL, uh, command line, and uh, Citrix and terminal services, RDS, et cetera, uh, linking through. But what it does is makes the app incredibly sticky for the customer. And again, you can customize these apps uh, per client down to per user. Uh, so we've found that that's tremendously sticky and uh, ensures that you get, again, more people using the app over and over and over again. So, so, so I just I'll want to stop it. you right here. Go for it. <clears throat> and, I, and I see that you're, you're about to tell us how it works on like everything. <laughs> all right, yep. so, so it's very sticky. It, uh, all they got to do is hit the green IT button or whatever color it is if I rebrand it to my own colors. Um, how do they find it on their messy desktop? So on the desktop, it's in the task tray and on the desktop itself. Okay. So I guess the, the concept is you've got the two locations. Uh, some of you might be thinking, well, it's difficult to uh, have the icon in the task tray uh, and, and appear. It, was, it is actually very difficult with Microsoft to force it to be next to the clock so you don't have to click the little arrow in the task tray. Uh, but what we've found is that the, the more you utilize it, um, it actually starts to slide down into that area anyway and stays there. So um, that's an important part of, uh, of driving behavior that I'll talk about in a second. And, and so let's, let's, you, you said, in, in, you know, instead of having to reach out to 50 people, you know, 50 clients, you can get your news in front of all 500 eyes. Um, that just sounds unbelievable to me only because, uh, I know my end users and they're, stuck in their ways. I'm trying to find really nice ways to call them uh, really mean things. Uh, <laughs> but but they're, they're very stuck in their ways. They're probably older. They're not computer savvy. So, you know, they've, they've spent the last, you know, five years always clicking the start button or always clicking that icon that's already on their desktop. And I've got some clients where um, you know, they, they've actually got the mess of icons organized in a very specific way on the desktop so they can always find their stuff. How do you get, how, how do you break them of their habit and get them to actually use this thing? Because right now all we're seeing is some, some tool that we don't think our end users are going to use for a price, any price, because you haven't even said the price, that we we don't feel like we need to spend yet? Uh, look, it's a fantastic question. I've got a whole slide on it, so I'll get to that one in a second, but it is a great question. And it was 
Um, at the end of the day, at the time when we built this software, I guess we probably had around 2,500 devices under management, so it wasn't tiny, and um, it was one of the learning experiences that we went through. And so uh, it's been a long time now. We've learned a lot about what it actually takes. Our first iteration of the software didn't look like this, um, and um, and we learned uh, we learned a lot of things. Um, okay. But I can tell you that um, being an MSP. Uh, around for 17 years. I mean, I've got the full gamut of clients that have the full spectrum of skill set, if that's the nice way of saying it. We've got, um, uh, I think our best, one of the best IT support requests I got was uh, they called in and said, look, I've got an issue. And we said, okay, so what's that the issue related to? I, I don't know, I've, I've just got an issue. So, I mean, we've had the full gamut. Now, the thing is, um, surprisingly, despite all of that, um, the utilization is extremely high, and I'll explain that in a second. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic question, and certainly was one of the things that we were worried about when we first built it. Um, so I guess just going through, and I'll get to that in probably about two or three slides. So um, it's across all devices. It is. It looks like that across all devices. Okay, so if you're thinking, so even well, on my it, iPhone, it's going to look. It looks like exactly this. like that. On now on, on uh, iPhone and Android, you won't see apps panel. Uh, because it's a it's a wee bit redundant in terms of launching apps uh, from your phone, but certainly the rest of it um, with news flicking through, linking to URLs, all that sort of jazz, it all works uh, and and looks the same, which is fantastic. Um, so I guess that concept of one pane of glass, you've got to start thinking about a panel like this as being that one destination. All of these vendors that you're um, potentially using, your IT glues, your bright gauge, your Ysync, all these guys are creating customer portals. But they're all experiencing the same problem where the customer doesn't know where to get to. And imagine the poor old customer, they're like, you as an IT provider going, well, I've got the PSA portal, I've got the IT glue portal, I've got the bright gauge dashboard that you can see for your client. I mean, it, it's getting to a point where if you want to start providing all of those things to a client, you actually do need one destination to go to. Otherwise, no one's ever going to watch them. And so how we see our product more than just being able to have um, your your own app across all these devices is to be able to customize it so that it really starts to deliver everything that you're providing so we've got partners that are creating dedicated pages for clients in it glue and they're creating buttons and they're just allocating that button collection to clients you'll understand this a lot more when i go through the demo and show you the portal um, you know bright gauge has its own dashboards that actually uh for clients so they can see the productivity and it's and it's that visible representation of the work you're doing. Again, uh, if, if it's just a URL, they don't know where to go to. So you've got to start getting your mind thinking about how could I customize an app like this to deliver the full awesomeness that is um, uh, makes up your MSP. Uh, and over time, uh, we will be looking at proper, um, more detailed integrations with some of that software where it really starts to um, deliver even more value. But at the heart of it, uh, the buttons that you see in the support and general section um, are, for the most part, URLs, um, and you can link to wherever you need to get to. So the adoption, we got there. Um, here's the thing about adoption, and we have learned this, we learned it the hard way, uh, but it didn't take long to fix, which was amazing. And now uh, we really do know the secret source to, to being able to do this. Um, it's a common question we get. Oh, the users, they're, they're stuck in their ways, they do their thing and they'll never never know how to get there. Well, I'm sorry to tell everybody out there is that it's an app world and users love apps. I mean, we have had probably the biggest technology transition from you know flip phones to smartphones and touchscreens 
that we've seen um, Apple's now the most valuable company on the planet delivering a way in which to interact that is completely different and they have paved the way um, and all the smartphones have for um, end users being comfortable with using um, apps okay so the first thing you got to understand is is that um, we as people were not yelling at Steve Jobs to build a smartphone and have touch buttons and make it easier for us but of course when he delivered it to us um, it, it uh, you know the the story is there for all to see of the success of that industry now I've just been kicked off as presenter again so am I able to get back on Over and over and over in the chat. Oh, I see. Sorry about that. That's okay. So I'll just share screen. Can we all see it? Yes. Cool. So the first thing we learned to summarize all of that is that uh, users love apps, but it starts with the icon. So one of the fatal mistakes that a lot of MSPs make and uh, and I don't believe has been identified by really anybody out there, um, so shh, don't tell anybody, I'm sure this won't go on the internet, um, is that you need to have a button that is identifiable to the end user. Most uh, RMM tools that have basic ticket logging features and the, and the like, and, and, and I think, um, uh, others that are out there enable you to actually change the icon but I'm sorry most of our icons most of the little images that we will have when you've only got um, a tiny amount of pixels to use in the task tray for example are just not identifiable they're hard to train and hard to recognize and so what we learned early on is that you need a button that is identifiable it all starts with the button and so when you start your training to say, go to a green IT button, it's green because green is on, okay? Uh, when it's off, if it's offline, the internet's offline, it goes red. If there's an issue um, with something else, it can go yellow, but ultimately green is on. And, and an IT button is probably one of the most um, recognizable, easiest things that end users that we all love um, will be able to identify. And that is probably the first part of making sure that users use it. And of course, um, once they do, they start loving it because it's an app like every other app they've used. So that's the first thing that you need to do, which why, in fact, with our software, you can't change that IT button, that is the button. But we know from experience, if you try and do anything else, you will not get the value, which, which is the reduction of calls and some of the other things I'll talk about in a second. Secondly, when you open the app, you obviously can't log in. So I'll talk about deployment in a second, but the whole point of our app is that it just opens, it's it's authenticated, they can just start using it and they can start logging tickets. When they log a ticket, um, we it's all authenticated down to the user level, so we know who they are, it's putting all their information into the ticket. Um, and so the no login means no friction, no friction means adoption. And, and just to clarify, okay. that yep. button cannot be customized. The IT button can't, but obviously the rest of the panel can. Okay. Uh, and in the in the, one of the releases coming out, you'll be able to change the colors of, uh, of that IT button in the actual panel. But the IT button on the desktop in the task tray at this point in time is not, is not changeable. 
um, because we want to make sure that you get the value out of the product. It is just one of the lessons we've learned over time. And if you try and fight it, you're just going to create confusion. And, um, and when you're talking hundreds of users that are constantly changing in and out of your clients all the time, you just cannot be vague around an obscure icon with, you know, funny colors and so on, especially because they're so small. Um, so it needs to be easy to use and we've designed it to look like an app because it's an app world. People love apps. I, I really do think it's a sad state of affairs that as IT providers, we are supposed to be the bastions of forward thinkingness and uh, we're supposed to be proactive with technology. And yet we are still asking our valued clients to only interact with us via web portals uh, and email and phone for the most part. And so uh, you give these people an app and they love it. And that is from experience, from my experience, but also from our partners as well. Um, what you've also got to do is make sure that you train the main contact when you, when you deploy it. So as long as you get the advocacy of the main contact, um, then they will obviously, of your clients, they'll obviously help you to distribute the information on how to do it. We, we have training emails that we can give you that you can, templated emails that you can give to your clients. You send that out. Well, what you find is once they start realizing, oh, it's just the IT button, um, they will actually start chasing you down. If you reload a PC or a laptop and you forget to put the software back on it, they will actually chase you down saying, where's my IT button? It gets that intense in terms of the user adoption. Uh, of course, some we did it and some MSPs are doing this. They're creating actual training videos that you can send out to clients. And of course, you could create a button on your panel that actually has the training video. So once they actually go there, they can watch a video and learn about um, your services and learn about the product. Remember, when new staff come on board uh, of your clients, they don't really know who you are. And unless the main contact, which of course they probably won't do all the time, trains them specifically on how to access your services and what your value is, then there's obvious often a bit of a, a knowledge gap there in regards to those end users. So training videos, are, I think, are super important. If you're not doing it in terms of your overall service, so I'm talking about a video that actually says, you know, welcome to our services. These are our hours of operation. This is how you can contact us. Um, it's something that I don't notice many MSPs do, but um, we've found that it is absolutely um, fantastic in terms of training people on your services and actually makes you look more sophisticated uh, because you've gone to the effort of creating it. So when you combine all of those things, um, we've found that the adoption is extremely high, which is why very quickly uh, um, our phone calls reduced. Does that answer your question, Steve? No, I'm getting sick, so I had to cough. <laughs> but is that is that a is that does that sort of answer your question any more? Oh, I'm so on? sorry. I thought on adoption, can and... I answer your question? Yes, yeah. I I think that's that's starting to yes. Now, um, someone asked if, it, if, if it's fair to say that this um, IT support panel replaces the lab tech icon in the sys tray. Uh, yes, it can, ultimately. And if you feel that there's value uh, with some of the things that lab tech can offer, then of course, um, if there's some features in there that you feel you still need, uh, then uh, worst case scenario, you can put it in the My App section and launch, and launch the app that way and train whoever it is that you need to train to do that. So again, our product, whilst it's designed to be the one place for the end user to go to, so it replaces whatever you're doing there, um, it's certainly not designed to fundamentally replace the way you're doing things uh, internally. So we're, we're trying to make sure that you can really put whatever it is that you think is important for the end user in the app and, and so that they can access it. 
now um so I, I see it does tickets let's let's start at the uh the meat here so i know it integrates with autotask and connectwise and the the big thing i would i would like to think is the ticketing portion of the tool um how does it work how how does so creating I'll, a ticket work so what i'll do is we'll uh you guys will uh, i'll i'll hoon through this and then uh we'll go through a demo of the actual system so another good question and uh one of the more common ones so so <laughs> sorry to to not be able to do it right the second but i'll i'll literally log into the portal and show you how that all works and show you the app as well uh on on my device so um so again autotasking connect wise currently we're adding psas uh next year um the way our product works is that we're not so heavily integrated with with the psas which um our competitors are and therefore uh it's easier for us to start adding more and more psas and more and more ticketing systems um to the to the family so our vision is to, to sort of see all ticketing systems connected into this particular app um, how we differentiate in terms of the market, if people are wondering, well, what's the difference? Well, the way we see it is, it is a beautiful looking app. Uh, well, it's first version, so it's 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 an app. It, in my view, it's beautiful. Um, but it needs to look nice for users to use it, like I was saying before. It is a native app on all the devices, which is important. Uh, the per client user configuration is a major part of why this is successful the more you do that per client the stickier your services get and therefore it becomes a wee bit harder for them to leave uh, the branding aspect is fantastic you got to start thinking well i actually do a support for a real estate agency with multiple sites and uh, they actually really love the idea of having their own brand on it great create a, a different appearance for them and actually load it out there another use case that we found a lot of msps out there are actually doing the level two level three support for it departments and therefore uh, uh, or, or, or third party services and so basically being able to brand it for their customer because they are intrinsically a white labeled support desk uh, is incredibly um, helpful and powerful as well um, being able to configure the buttons to whatever you need them to do delete them move them around um, the news is incredibly powerful the apps um, it's an easy deployed um, it takes time. It's easy, but it takes time and effort. Don't get me wrong. Um, and in terms of management of it, we believe it's it's quite easy as well. And of course, we think we've worked out the secret to reducing calls. We've had people come to us saying, well, I'm using the competitor, but I'm not reducing phone calls. Well, I've just talked to you about that, of why that is. Um, and we believe we know how to get that outcome for you. Uh, in terms of deployment, you can use your RMM. We have an AD Harvester software that basically uh, you load across all your AD servers. Uh, it means that uh, it's synchronizing those um, uh, users in AD with uh, our platform. They go into a holding area and then you can choose to import those into your PSA. What, when you do the deployment in conjunction with the AD Harvester and your RMM, RMM uh, it means that your, uh, the users are pre-authenticated. One of the things I'll say about deployment, and so it actually does come down to adoption and friction, if you roll out a piece of software like this and the end user has to log in, then of course you're gonna get friction. End users aren't gonna do any additional work that they need to. So one of the critical things you need to do is to be able to roll it out and on the day, remember the example I gave at the start of this, which is, well, I'm gonna start doing support for an MSP, uh, for a, a client on the 1st of December. On the 1st of December, those users must just see their green IT button and it must just start working for them. 
You don't have to do that, but that is how you get maximum utilization and success. Um, if you don't have an RMM tool, of course, you can use group policy. We've got the MSI option there. Um, and of course, uh, we do deployment training and that's all included, no charge, to really get you going and make sure that you get uh, this working across the clients that you need. So the result for us and our MSP was that uh, very much so you will reduce calls by up to 50%, absolutely. Um, you get increased capacity and profit by being able to get better utilization out of your engineers. Um, and the engineer productivity goes up, uh, which is fantastic. Um, you basically reduce churn because you're delivering visible value. You're showing that you're an innovative provider and you're giving them a step up in terms of the experience. That therefore makes the client a lot happier. Your NPS score, if you're doing that, or your CSAT, your customer satisfaction scores will go up uh, because it's a tool that they're using. And of course, uh, we very much use this tool to differentiate ourselves and win support deals. Um, in a very cluttered market, it has to be said that we're all, for the most part, using the same tools, the same PSAs, same RMM, the same everything. We're actually selling the same services. We're all doing Office 365. We, we, it, it's, you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the end customer. It is really difficult to discern between providers. Now, the school of thought is, of course, that we're all selling trust, um, which is why you know we are ultimately just selling relationships, but you still need to be able to present your services in a way that is innovative, that is different, and that is memorable. And we, we talk about the concept by a guy that read a book, Seth Godin, The Purple Cow. If you haven't read it, I, I fundamentally believe you should. And he says that in this day and age, there's way too many messages. And if anything, all those messages sound the same. So how do you differentiate yourself? So since 2009, we've been using this product to differentiate our services. We're a big fan also of Simon Sinek. So selling the why first, and then you talk about your how. And so when you talk about the how, um, so the why of course is that we're all selling peace of mind, business continuity, cost containment, and so on. Um, in terms of the how, that's where you can talk about innovative front-end things that you're giving the customer. And this is the sort of tool that takes away the darkness. A lot of customers come to you and they say, oh, I don't, I don't know what my network diagram is, my MSP is just, it seems like it's just a secret thing where, you know, and there's a darkness, I just don't understand our environment or what's going on, et cetera. They don't know what their roadmap is. So by being able to actually have something visible, being able to use that in your sales pitch, put that in your marketing material, put that on your website, I cannot, impress upon you enough how successful this has been for us. When we invented this product, we were about 3 million in revenue, and it has absolutely helped us scale to 7 million in revenue because it's a competitive environment, and the more you win, and that um, you will grow, but of course, if you can reduce your churn, then you will grow that wee bit faster. So a super important point that um, has to be said. So in terms of the investment, um, so we start, we, we do it on agents. So we want to have a, a product that is based, uh, our licensing, the way the product works is very much more like an RMM tool. It is agent based. And so we basically when, want to have packs want to of clarify, agents. I'm sorry. Yeah, an agent, is an agent a user or is an agent one of the user's many devices? It's a device, it's devices. Exactly. So if you're using, uh, if some a lot of your clients have terminal services or Citrix, then in, in that scenario, you only need one agent to cover them all. So effectively, um, the uh, price starts at 249, goes up from there. Most of the MSP market is uh, fundamentally in the 2500 and below. So we do, we are trying to make it affordable, um, but a lot of uh, uh, Steve has sort of 
Pre told me some of the feedback out there in terms of price, in terms of our competitor, etc. The starting price is pretty much the same uh, as as uh, as the alternative. Uh, but one of the things I should say is that, of course, you shouldn't be investing in products purely because of price. Uh, I think we all know that. It should be about the ROI that you get. And certainly for us, we've positioned our pricing on um, delivering a 10x ROI. So a 10x ROI on, on the investment, which I'll explain in a second. And, and I guess in terms of the competition, in terms of where we're trying to go with the product, we do believe it adds more value and, uh, and therefore our pricing tends to reflect that. So if you're not getting um, a great ROI from this product, then, then certainly something um, needs to be addressed there. But you, the, the power of this is, is important. And I think the last thing I'll say there is that I do understand that out there, there's a lot of vendors, there's a lot of new products, there's a lot of um, all chipping away at the monthly spend as MSPs, as part of your stack of, of software that you're using um, and adding to, to cost. But we feel, we genuinely hand on heart as an MSP feel that this is a category that's not adequate, adequately addressed in the market, but is actually on par in terms of importance with your PSA and some of the other tools that you're using. Um, it, it just simply isn't good enough anymore to offer basic email and phone support. Um, we do believe after so many years, it's why we spent three years building the product, that it is an app economy. Your users aren't telling you this because they don't know anything better, but once you give it to them, they realize, oh my God, this is so much easier to be able to interact with you. Thank you for taking away the darkness. Thank you for making my life easier. I didn't actually want to be on the phone to log change requests and, and, and the like. So it's it's an important um, part of the uh, MSP software stack. And certainly I think the more you start to understand that you can customize that front end experience per client, um, I think that's where the magic happens. So. I'm um, happy to answer any other questions on that. So with with that, um, I, I know that uh, there's there's a couple of people here that would like to just kind of see it in action. Yep, let's because, do it. Because they're still trying to figure out what the heck does this thing actually do. Slides oh. do a lot for the business person in us. But remember, yep. we're all we're all nerds, okay? Not not a problem. <laughs> we'll nerd it out in a second. We'll nerd it out. So I've only got a couple of slides. So um, the the ways you can get the ROI from this, it's just important to start with the business case uh, first, and then we'll deep dive into the technical side. But you do need to think about this. So we charged our existing clients. It's it was ambitious. It was aggressive. Not a lot of MSPs will do that, but we did it. Um, we won more support deals. We actually charged more. We increased our overall rates to factor in this new technology. Uh, so we had a good, better, best way of going about our services and, and it enabled us to charge a little bit more in, the, in, the, in those packages. We, um, uh, you can charge for mobile device management as well. That's, that's an area where no one's ever been able to do it. But now that you actually have something visible on the mobile device that shows that value, then you can, you can look to do things like that. You wouldn't charge a lot, but you can charge something for it. Um, increasing productivity with less phone calls, um, reducing client churn, and increasing the engineer productivity via less ticket logging is there all ways you can get um, great ROIs of the product. And I can send you some more information on that. Our results, we actually did, we went quite aggressive because remember, if you remember at the start, I was really trying to improve profit as we were scaling the business. We actually averaged about $100 per client per month. We customized it for them. They felt great about it. Everybody, it was win-win. But when you've got 100 clients, well, at the time, sorry, it was about um, uh, uh, 85 clients we had. Um, uh, so we 
increased by about 100 grand a year, helped us grow in terms up to 7 million, certainly reduced our call, absolutely reduced our calls by 50%. It was shocking, but it, it, it was not so much when you understand the behavioral change that you were making. Um, reduced client churn significantly, increased our engineer productivity. We absolutely increased the, the MPS score. And, uh, and we do have 5,000 users that use the product. Um, the current roadmap, I will pause there and get into that. So let's get into the actual product. Um, and, you, and you said that you keep saying this reduced calls by 50%. Yep. Did it reduce tickets? So it doesn't reduce your tickets. So that has to be said. Um, but the time, as I said to you, that you spend on the phone with someone, hello, did you have a nice day? Yes, the weather was great. At scale, that is just wasted time. The time that you spend getting email tickets and then actually going type, subtype, configuring the, de the details in the ticket at scale is a waste of time. And so what we also found is, is that if an engineer, when you're on the phone, you, can't, you can only focus on one thing at a time. Right, so you're very much in the in the conversation that you're having over the phone, and so we found that the more that you could get your teams working on tickets that are coming in remotely in this way over the internet through the app, uh, the more that they could multitask through the tickets, and the better capacity you could get. Okay. Mm. So look, uh, we'll get stuck into having a look at it, and I'll, and I'll cover some of the other points um, at the end. So uh, this is the product. Can we all see that, Steve? Yep. Yep. So here's the product open on my desktop. Sorry. Oh, I just said and Yeah. So you basically it opens up, and you can see in this particular demo account, it looks the same as what's going on here in the account. Now, obviously, I've talked to you about the fact that this can be customized. That the, the logo, the colors, the buttons, the news, the apps, etc., can be customized per client. Uh, but um, it will show you your default. So uh, in, intrinsically, you will have a default setting for your branding. And so what it will show you on the front page is the default. So what we've actually built is a, is a wizard, which is a step before this, um, which guides you through the process of setting it up. It connects it to your PSA and helps you um, set up all the different configurations. So once you've completed that particular wizard, this is where you'll end up. This is the portal where you manage the actual software. Um, and so you can see we've tried to design it so it's reasonably simplistic, easy to understand, easy to use. And so I, I can start with, um, uh, I'll start with the general concept of how the collections work and then we'll work our way through to just the ticket logging and how you can configure that, et cetera. So conceptually, you've got to understand that it's all about um, collections and in this instance, they're just um, a series of appearances. So the appearance that you're seeing there is this particular appearance and you can see you can change you know I could change the color it's the top uh, banner is the same um, and uh, easy to do you can change the logo and so on and so forth you can change the bottom and the top however you want it to lay that out and as I say to you um, we will be enabling you to change the color of the IT button uh, in this section here so that it really does reflect um, your services um, so what we can do is you can change uh, the the um, uh, the appearance. You refresh the icon. This the um, the in terms of the um, auto refreshing and auto polling our services. It's all in Amazon in the US. Uh, it's probably 10 to 15 seconds. Now I've forced that change, and as you can see there, it's changed at the top of the screen. Okay. Now, so would it have refreshed on its own without you forcing Correct. it? 
correct. So oh, every 10, 15 seconds or, or, oh. or the like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's constantly polling back. But what's actually happening is, is that um, it's, it will store the information on the, on the device itself. And therefore, each time they open it, it's, it's not having to you know, pull that data down. Um, so that's just a great visual representation of, of, of what actually is happening with these collections. So the concept is, is that you can change the default collection uh, and that will change the appearance. You can, as I said to you before, if you were to, um, uh, if you needed a client that wanted their appearance, you just create an appearance and then you assign it to the actual customer itself. Okay. So, um, and you can get it down to per user. So if I go to buttons, does that does that make sense? Happy with that? I, I feel like it makes sense. So yep. just to clarify, um, where we were at was the part where that you customize the look and feel. And, yep. and in the appearance, can I have uh, a different piece of news for each customer or end user? Correct. And that's under your news news panel. So I'll show okay. you that one in a second. Correct. Good question. So in terms of the buttons, this is where you've really got to get your imagination going in terms of the product itself. You can see here that you can copy button collections, assign and unassign, all that sort of jazz to make it easy. Uh, but again, one of the comments people say is, well, well how, does a, how does an end user actually get through and, and see, um, see my tickets? So if you're an Autotask customer, you can actually create a, an auto login link per user. So you can create a button and actually put the URL, uh, whatever that happens to be, um, in there. You could call it uh, My Tickets or Ticket Management or whatever you want to call it. Uh, add the button and um, move it, move it up if you want to. And you can see all those changes happening on the left. And that's where you've got to start getting in your mind that, from experience, it's really only the main contacts that need to see invoices that need to see. Um, your tickets and your PSA portals and all that sort of jazz. And so you can create a button collection for your main contact and uh, and just give it to them. And for the all the, the general users in the business, they get the standard collection, which doesn't have links to do that type of thing. Okay. So really the buttons, it's up to your imagination on how you want to configure it per customer and how you want to configure it to for what you're actually doing. And with that said, we could even have for, for those of us that have all these extra tools, we can have a button for IT glue, a button for Connect Booster, whatever we want. We could even put that in the general area, right? Correct. And so <clears throat> if I want to change uh, where that particular section goes, you put it there, update the button, it drops down. I can then say, no, it's actually quite important. I want to add that uh, up to the top uh, and so on. So. So really, it's the power there. Now, this um, the the log ticket function. I'll get into that in a second. Um, Is there a the size constraint, like how many buttons you can have? Yeah, so uh, eight buttons in total at this point eight in time. Buttons. Yeah, and it just and keeps getting that's similar. That's so. Is that up to four for support and four for general, or it doesn't matter as long as there's not more than eight? Correct. The latter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So effectively. Um, Again, you can delete these things. Standard as part of it, you can have your contact details. Again, super super helpful if you are, some MSPs actually give dedicated phone numbers with their phone system to certain clients. Um, so that's the sort of thing where with a client, you could put that dedicated number so that they're calling the number that you've been training them to do. Again, you're creating that button collection for the client. Um, for the customer feedback, it's basically a form, sends that through to you as an email. 
and, uh, and, and you get your feedback, which is great. I mean, the combination of this and obviously having your feedback, uh, a lot of people using Smallback in the actual ticket emails is, um, is you need to have it everywhere. I, I don't think it's one area that solves all problems with feedback. You've just got to have mm -hmm. those options everywhere. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so basically the, um, the power really comes down to that customization. So I'd, I'd sort of leave you with sort of thinking about, well, how could I really customize that um, for, for each of the customers that I've got? And you, you would tend to roll it out a basic version first, and that's where you can really sit, sit down and start to work out what is it that I want to do with each client. So I'll just uh, wait for that to refresh. So you can see the self-help and all those changes have, have instantly happened. So you can see how quick it is, which is great. And and I, I missed that. Did you have to close and open it up again? Yeah, so that's a good, well spotted. Um, it won't refresh in this state. You have to just close it and then refresh so, it and it'll open. So for the end users that leave it open and then they lock their screen and they go home for the day and then they come home, they come in the next day and it's still open. It's a good point, um, and it's in the sense that we've not experienced an issue with that. Most people don't want to have these things sitting around there. Their just natural inclination is just to get rid of that, so they don't have a cluttered screen. So, uh, haven't across all the users that use this product, I've, I haven't had the feedback that that that's a drama at this point in time. But I guess we can monitor that. Um, it's a good point, um, but I don't think it's an issue at this point in time. So, I'll quickly go through for for news panel. So this again, you're now starting to understand the collection. You've got default collections. I should have shown you that before with the, with the buttons. You've got a default button collection, um, default appearance. And uh, so everyone gets the default and it's a hi hierarchical um, scenario. So it really starts at um, global level with defaults across all clients and it goes client, user, and then agent. Okay, so you can configure the, uh, all of these collections down to an agent level as well as a user level. So effectively with your news, it is a collection of news. And so this is the example where you can, you know, you've got your name and the description of what it's about, but you can have unlimited news articles and each of the news articles can be configured with a URL. If you don't put one in, it just won't link the article to wherever you need to go. Uh, and certainly um, you can have a publish start date and end date uh, for the for the news article as well. So if it's just fleeting news that you want to talk about and just um, and uh, stop, then you can do that. So that's how you basically create the articles. Um, and when you think of it as a collection, you can then say, well, I'd have a default news for all clients, but then I need to for client A create a collection, assign it to the client, and and move on. And and just to clarify, I can have more than one news article. Unlimited for, news articles. So, and they can like swipe through them or something? Uh, so it basically is uh, scrolling through the, new, the news articles uh, after about five seconds. So okay. that's only got the one there. So I'd probably, I should add one quickly. But um, at news article, test, test. So again, the same sort of thing in a period of time that will uh, update. So I'll show you that in a second. 
Um, but that is the concept, unlimited articles, whatever it is you want to talk about. So a lot of MSPs are loving the idea of being able to talk about uh, and making sure that you're pushing out the information about crypto locker and uh, advice on what to do there, their, their, their wins, their awards, um, news about uh, offers and products and whatever it is you want to communicate, that's where you can really start to, to do that. Uh, the future of this particular product will be so that it uh, will start to link it into things like WordPress and other news tools. So you're only having to put it into the one location and it'll feed it out to all those different um, areas. But at the moment, obviously, it's just uh, doing that in in this particular um, uh, panel. Mm -hmm. So you can see the test news just came up oh, there and really? flicked. Yeah. And if you click on it, so it takes if I click on it, it goes straight through to the address that I put in. Perfect. Now, um, I'll quickly tell you a part of news is social. It's a basic area where you just put in the fields of uh, your social links and that if you put one in, it'll put the little icons down the bottom, right? It's just yeah. another way since you've got an app in front of everyone's um, uh, uh, computers, then you can link it through your social. Um, so we thought that was a nice little important thing. Not sure how utilize it will get, but certainly um, you can, you can, engage them in that way. Uh, so the last part is IT apps panel, and this is what I was talking about before, so you sort of get the gist of it. It's all about being able to customize apps per client. Again, How it's all about collections. Uh, so you can actually have uh, in the screen, well, it's unlimited is the answer to that, oh, okay. but what will happen is if I add another app, um, so you can add, a, and add an app quickly, um, MYOB. Oh, if I can spell. <laughs> oh my goodness. So if we add that, it'll drop down to two rows of six and then it'll scroll, it'll, it'll have a scroll bar um, okay. after that. So that's and, what happens and it there. Scrolls, it scrolls up and down, not left and right? Yeah, up and down, yeah. Correct. So uh, again, when you're actually, I should have met, uh, shown you there, as you're adding the app, you can have your shell command and your remote session. So in fact, I think Steve, when you were at the booth, you gave a good example that you had somebody that was um, per, never in the office and actually needed to remap their network drives. And um, so again, it's really up to your mind on what you wanna do there in terms of making little one percenters um, to, to help a customer. Yes. Um, so, so that was that was something I thought of, and I know that um, deleting the the mapped drive and then recreating it is technically more than one command, and your thing only allows for like basically a single line. It doesn't allow for like a batch script to be written put in there when you're doing it as a command shell command. You can yes, run a batch script, but but. For the people that, oh man, I don't want to have to transfer scripts over their computer. What I've found is um, if, it, if it is something truly as simple as delete the S drive and recreate the S drive, uh, isn't it like pipe or something like that? I always forget what it is, but there's a way that you can run multiple commands in a single line. Correct, there is. And I remember you talking to our VP of product about that. Um, and it started to go over my head in terms of uh, the, the technical side, but I'm pretty sure you can. It does require a little bit more effort. But again, uh, that that's how you do that. Uh, but 
that the value is very much having the apps in there, making it easier and showing that visible value to your customers. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be said that um, clients, just like anything that adds value to them, um, you know, we all think there is MSPs that we're adding. We do add a lot of value, let's be honest. It's We keep their operations up and running and going and backing it up and all that sort of jazz. But at an end user level, it can often be forgot, forgotten of the effort. We all battle with that. We all battle with having to show them the reports, show them the roadmaps. And, and so this is the type of thing that just, you know, etches away at the visible value. And the more people that you can figure this to, the more they use your app, the more they're reading the news and, and the stickier um, the actual service gets from our experience. Well, good. So um, questions I'm seeing here. Go for um, it. Is it on your roadmap to change the logo itself if I don't want your square with the words I, uh, letters IT in it? It will be, yep, okay. at the moment. Uh, we're starting with changing the color and uh, which you'd think is easy but of course you want to make sure that there's no pix pixelation in it <laughs> as you choose whatever color you want to so um, uh, it is reasonably easy in the scheme of things but we'll get that sorted in uh, Q1 okay. so it is on the roadmap yep now how does creating tickets work because I saw you uh, yes you made, yep. well done. you made a button that said uh, my tickets and all it's doing is redirecting them to that, to that other client portal. Correct. So basically this is in the app. When you log a ticket, it is synchronizing. So conceptually the product is synchronizing your clients, your users, your ticket types and some of the other fields in terms of um, how the ticket gets logged. So mm -hmm. uh, when you're actually logging a ticket, um, oh, let me just uh, explain this first. Uh, so under PSA integration, is where you see the integrate. So you set up a user, uh, that's where it is able to uh, API sync. Under the PSA defaults is what I'm talking about here. So you've got all these different defaults that you can set. Um, and, uh, and this is what I'm talking about here is that you actually have the ability to have ticket type only, which ticket type means type and subtype. So mm -hmm. you can have that. Uh, you can have the ticket type and subject or subject only. Okay, now that's okay. a global setting. Um, so it's been interesting that a lot of MSPs just want to potentially have ticket type. And if you do want to, you can then configure it that do you want two levels of the ticket types? In ConnectWise, there's three. There's type, subtype, and item level. Autotask is two. Mm -hmm. This is an Autotask instance. Um, and so you've got the full configurability there. So that's where it translates to this logger ticket field where you have the, the type, uh, subtype, and so on. Uh, you can have, uh, we've got the affected user, which is, um, uh, you know, often uh, certain people log tickets on behalf of other people. So that helps there. And of course, you can attach a file. Uh, it is on our roadmap Q1 to make a couple of changes. Um, we will be having a screen uh, Snagit um, option there. Uh, so that will be implemented Q1. Good. Uh, we will also be one of the big... Um, uh, requirements uh, for all of us as MSPs um, is the new user forms and certainly a lot of feedback I can assure everyone would sympathize is that if you stuff it up and get one thing wrong then you certainly hear about it from the end user um, and so accuracy in that regard is super important so what we'll be doing uh, in that regard is adding a section under here which will be forms and conceptually um, if you can imagine adding forms which then get assigned to ticket types 
and that you can assign to clients. So when the end user, if you've got a ticket type that says new user, they click new user, another window would pop up uh, enabling them to fill in the additional information and then put that through. So now, that's my My ticket types are probably unconventional. So my, yep. my top level types are break fix, managed services, website stuff, yada, yada, yada. So that way I can, because I, I don't want to have a million cues for one guy. I just want to, mm -hmm. you know. So could I say, well, this client is break fix, so I don't want them to see the managed services type. In the current version, no, but that is on our roadmap. That was certainly, uh, it wasn't a common request, but it was something that we also agree with, is that an ability to go over and above what is in your ticketing system um, is super important. So we will mm -hmm. be creating another um, area, uh, which actually sort of coincides with the forms functionality that we'll be building. So that sort of goes hand in hand, where we'll be able to um, select the ticket types that you actually want to push and omit ticket types without actually having to change your PSA in our system. And so per client, that's configured that way. Well, so in the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, do we have the ability to have like the ticket description? Can we have some stuff pre-populated in there? Like, uh, so we can ask them questions. Uh, what did you do to cause this? Is it, does it happen every time? You know, what, whatever questions you want to have in that description ready for them to fill out so that way they can give you the most information that's going to help you as possible. That's where you would use forms. Okay. Right. So that, that form feature of being able to customize a form for whatever it is. So if there is particular ticket types where you just know they're not giving you the right information, then you, you, you create a form that is asking those questions you want to ask. You assign it to the ticket type. And as soon as they collect, select that ticket type, they'll have to give you that additional information. And that's why the power of, it'll be one of the, the, the killer features um, of it, is that full flexibility to create forms and allocate them based on ticket types. Okay. Now, um, so I know you said uh, Q1, I think, for being able to take a screenshot and attach that to the ticket. Correct. So I'll, give, I'll give you the roadmap uh, in a second back in the in the in the prezo, but just bearing in mind time, I'll quickly just conceptually so that the viewers um, understand how this product works is it's syncing your clients and each client that is synchronized is allocated an activation code. So conceptually, each time the agent, so this piece of software needs to be installed, it first needs an activation code and then it needs the username and password of the actual uh, end users. This is a sandbox, so it doesn't have, not all of those records have users. So at a user level, it's getting you the, um, uh, you've got to put that uh, information in. So your first name, last name, and the email address, and it activates. Now again, when you roll this out, by using the Harvester tool that we built, it will auto do all of that sort of stuff out of Active Directory. So um, it'll pre-authenticate it. Ready to what go. about all of us uh, smaller MSPs that don't work with a lot of Active Directory people? Yeah, so if there's no Active Directory and you still have an RMM, then you roll out the RMM tool. You would then go to, uh, I'll just quickly show you there, this is at a user level where you can edit the user and actually configure the appearance button apps collection. So that's how that works. Um, at, an, at the scenario where you would have um, uh, a, um, 
a client with no AD, but you do have RMM, you roll it out with your RMM, you package up the, acti uh, the activation code as part of that rollout, and uh, what you'll then see is all these agents that are blank with, that are unassigned. So generally speaking, clients like that will only have, well, I mean, if they've got 50 staff and they don't have an AD server, you probably need to put one in, but um, ultimately, um, they'll be smaller, so you might have five, 10, 20 people come up in a list once you search on them as a client, and you just go through and allocate the user. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, it would probably take you what, like two minutes, five minutes to, to just... That's, that's uh, not bad. Yeah. Um, is, is there an option to call from the PSA instead of AD? Well, I think that's what, I think that's what he's implying, Johnny, is if, um, if if you are deploying this out to a client that does not have AD, um, unless so so here's here's my way of thinking. Unless you are so meticulous that within your RMM or your PSA, you've actually said uh, PC-01 is Steve Taylor's computer, the PSA isn't going to know that this is Steve Taylor's computer. So that's why he's at least given you the ability to hit the allocate user button. Because if if I'm correct here, where it says name, the leftmost column, that is the computer name. Correct. So and you can, yeah. hypothetically, you should know which users are on the computer, or you can at least look at the last user portion, and you can allocate the user that is using that computer manually at the very least. If, if the company is using Active Directory, then you would just use the harvester and it would make the magic happen for you. Correct. And so a lot of, uh, there can be duplicates and there can be uh, very close names. So we found not all users are in everyone's PSA. So the AD harvest mm -hmm. is quite a therapeutic process to go through. Uh, it does require a little bit of effort, um, but what it means is, is that when you're onboarding uh, uh, clients in the future, instead of having to take um, uh, Excel spreadsheets and and manually or import them that way, then you can use the AD Harvester and actually bring your new clients users all into the PSA using that tool. Now remember, you're, that doesn't automatically push. This is predominantly a pull piece of software. The only pushing is done um, uh, with the AD Harvester, but it goes through uh, a, a middle section where you, you have to authorize those users to go to your PSA. So you have full control over doing that. Um, but I think Steve's um, answer to that is is correct. So um, or I was going with, with, uh, with this somewhere earlier. I said you've got the ability to do screenshots coming out uh, basically next quarter. Uh, Q1 correct. of 2018. Um, is it on your roadmap to do uh, what what some old timers might call moving pictures, videos so, or gifs. Oh, that's interesting. So what I, I would been what I would why, think, why would you need that? So so here here's my idea. Uh, there's a someone makes a ticket. There's a button. Can you recreate the issue? Yes. Would you like Would you like us to record your microphone? Yes. So now uh, they're yes. talking yep. to you and they're Got recreating it. your issue and they're mm -hmm. sending all that to you all packaged up with a nice neat bow on it. And now you never have to talk to people again. How great <laughs> would that be, guys? 
<laughs> it's actually not a bad idea. I think the the team would probably just worry about the data size um, at scale of something like that. But I, I mean, think I'm not that's really where the, worried about that's, it. That's where the future is going, and and certainly um, we would have to to play around with that conceptually on how that would work in the back end. Sure. Um, because obviously we're collecting a lot of data um, across all, and as we grow, we'll just continue to increase. So um, we're throwing this out there. That's a good idea. A, there's a company out there called Pilixo, P-I-L-I-X-O. Don't worry, they're not competition, so you guys can all look it up, pilixo.com. And and what it does is they've got a, a tool called MSP Replay, and I think they might, they might be rebranding that because I know they were branded the other two things. Anyway, MSP Replay is um, basically it records the screen of all the computers that you deploy Polixo onto. But, but instead of doing like a full-blown 1080p screen cap, it's only recording the pixels that change. Right. So if the mouse moves across the screen, it's only recording these little pixels. And I think it only does one frame per second. Well, there you go. So you'd obviously have to use tools like that. Otherwise, um, the data just becomes a bit astronomical. But So maybe you work um, in partnership out with them and correct. license that so you guys don't have to build something I'm, from I'm, scratch. I'm writing down the notes. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, that's, okay. one, that's one more kangaroo steak you owe me. Exactly. I do. <laughs> I need to sort that out. I promised Steve we'd send him one over. So uh, I don't know what state it'll be in when it gets there and how tasty it'll be, but um, we'll, we'll give it a go. I'm going to open that um, box so up and I'm going to be like, crikey. I'm going to throw crikey. it away. Oh, cheese, mate. Um, so we've got the clients. So again, uh, just to, to help everyone out. So you've got clients there. Again, you can manage users. You can edit a client at that level and actually allocate appearances. And that's what I was talking about. That's the easiest way to do it. You've got agents that we just looked at. You can download your agents from here. So you've got your XE MS Fire. These will go to the, the stores. Uh, you've got your deployment guides here showing you all about how to do that. Uh, under um, PSA, you've got the PSA integration we looked at before. One of the things we didn't show you is the synchronization. So you can, if there's something going on with the sync and you, or you want to force it, um, that's syncing, as it says, the ticket types, the clients and the users, et cetera, then you can hit the button and it'll synchronize. Uh, it goes into a queue based on what's going on on the back end, uh, but it's not. It's reasonably quick, um, and uh, certainly with the ticket log, it's important to note that you actually are getting a ticket log. It's reporting back the actual ticket ID. So conceptually, this product is actually all the tickets are going through our servers and then to the PSA. And the reason why we did that is because once again we learned in terms of um, friction, in terms of people using the software. If our software is off or if they kind of log a ticket and it doesn't work, then of course they'll stop using it, right? If they go log ticket and it says error, so that's why it goes, as long as it's on the internet, it's working, it'll log a ticket through. Now these PSAs out there, they're not really going down. I can't imagine people have got too many war stories in regards to the, the, the big boys having um, issues for a long period of time, but still the concept is, is that we just wanna make sure that ticket gets through. Once it gets logged on your end, it actually reports back the ticket ID and that's where um, the ticket log uh, reports back and you can look at the detail of the ticket and see what was actually going on. So you can really see at a granular level what's going on in terms of utilization of the software. Um, from a reporting perspective, it's pretty light on at this point in time. It's really just showing you some basic views. One of the things that we will be um, aiming to bring out in Q1 is um, I think one of the things that I always looked at as we 
invented this product was the amount of calls and and tickets being logged via phone or via um, uh, uh, via this product, IT support panel. So um, in our PSA, we were able to configure source types, and obviously you put phone and you put all the things you need, and uh, and so we'll we'll synchronise that data as well. So you'll be able to start to see on a daily, monthly basis on how many people are actually like how is that behaviour changing over time, and you'll be delighted um, uh, at what at the results. So. So that's reports. Uh, so this is basically a view of the system. There's obviously your My Account information. One of the things I'll, I'll show you in, in My Account is that when we send an email to an end user, so if, if for whatever reason you just wanted to send uh, an email to an end user that is their registration email, you can do that. I sort of recommend probably just do it yourself uh, rather than wasting their time on that. But if you do, in this section here is where you put your information. So any email coming out of our system that goes to your client will be using your default branding of the actual panel, top and bottom of the email with your, with your logo and all that sort of jazz. And in the footer, uh, it's giving you all this information. So whatever information is important um, for the end user to see, you put that in there. Uh, at this point in time, there is only the one login. We should be sorting that out uh, next year uh, in terms of administrating the account. So you generally have the, the demo um, sorry, you have a, a general email login for it, uh, but we will add um, users, uh, additional users in the future. Um, so that's basically it, guys, in terms of the actual panel. Before I leave this screen, um, were there any other questions there, Steve? Not here, no. I want to see this roadmap. Let's do it. So uh, this is the roadmap. Um, so the PSA agnostic version will be bringing out end of Q4. Uh, so that the only feature that that will be missing is uh, that's just for anyone that seems to be off in in the wilderness with a different um, product that um, we we haven't been able to do APIs with in the future. We thought that was important to do off the get go. The only feature that we'll miss will be uh, putting in all the details of the ticket straight in. It's it's coming through through the email parser. Okay. Um, I talked about the custom forms per ticket type, the screenshot we talked about, ticket urgency. So there is the uh, urgency as part of the uh, types of your PSA already, but um, we've had uh, we thought it was important to make sure that you can actually, at an end user level, when they're logging the ticket, select urgency. We never we didn't actually build it in the first time because, quite frankly, uh, if you have that option, from my experience with having that many users under management, they all just pick urgent anyway. So I thought it was a bit redundant, but uh, apparently um, it is quite important for a lot of MSPs to do that. So we'll make that change. Uh, config data will be coming through uh, as well. You're already getting the node information, but the config data will be coming through. Um, so we'll get that one out shortly. The color of the logo I talked about. Pop-up alerts will be Q2. So uh, just being able to push those pop-up alerts uh, at will. So, you know, the little little uh, toaster messages that, that can pop up at an end user level. Um, so we'll be looking into that Q2. And of course, further partner and PSA integrations such as IT Glue, et cetera, and, and other PSAs, um, Kaseya BMS, uh, we'll be looking at uh, 2.3. We just want to get through the first functional things first and, and um, get to the next one. So I might pass over to you, Andrew. Nice. You've been very patient, my friend, I have to say. He's sitting there in Toronto, Canada. Shift IT Solutions is the name of his MSP. And I've, I've brought him online just to give you a little bit of an insight into uh, somebody that's actually using uh, the product. Uh, and uh, so, Andrew, can you hear me? I can hear you 100%. Well so, done, mate. 
Andrew yeah, Carey just... from, well, we're actually in Oakville, Ontario, about 30 kilometers outside of Toronto. Uh, Shift IT Solutions was founded in uh, 2009. Uh, we uh, presently are just a little bit north of uh, 2,000 endpoints, about a little bit shy of $3 million a year uh, in business. Uh, we're, we're traditionally um, an MSP based on a single point endpoint price per month. Um, we do some custom cloud, et cetera, that we're getting into as well. A little bit of consulting, but only for our customers. We don't do any third party. Um, 100%, we're, we're pretty progressive. Um, we, we actually flew down and met with Jamie a while back, and he remembered who we were. Um, so uh, the, the gist of it is I'm really big on end user experience, and we spent a huge amount of time creating user documentation that absolutely nobody read um so it was uh it was uh very uh, refreshing when jamie mentioned what they were doing because it gave us an avenue to get get in front of them on the desktop uh, with our information um the uh, you know it's the, the the kind of surprising thing that happened was the enthusiasm for the news ticker and being able to actually put um, their company information updates uh, in the news ticker as well, which is terrific because it means people are looking at the support panel. I've actually hired someone to actually take all these feeds, not only ours, um, but to, uh, to actually interact with the customers if they want information to go up. Um, secondary to that, the other really cool thing is that everybody wants their applications uh, on, that, uh, on that bottom panel um that we can link to i hadn't thought about doing the remapping that's uh, that's a cool idea as well I'll, I'll tell my engineers to uh, to put that in place um we right now based on our numbers i i try to get um about 300 endpoints 300 endpoints per uh, support desk person um and uh, if they can handle more great um, they make more money for it because we uh, we pay based on incentives uh but you know, the goal is if I can get my guys taking care of 400 endpoints, then we can continue to grow and I don't have to keep hiring to make a bit more money. And, uh, uh, you know, calls are a time, time vampire. I see that in the portal when I'm doing the uh, timesheets all the time. So anything that we can do to make it easier um, to, to push that form of email coming in as opposed to them picking the phone up and calling is, uh, is very much in our... Uh, in our profitability curve uh, to to increase it so and we're all about profitability so but it's been a good experience really happy working with jamie and dean and the guys on this thanks andrew that's brilliant with well, the I, I can't actually see the comments there was anybody asked any questions in that regard none actually very good well very well spoken um, and thank you, Andrew, and I, I do appreciate your time to come on, on this webinar. Um, so I guess, uh, Steve, that is, um, we've gone through the demo, gone through it, so thank you. Um, and uh, of course, we've got, um, if anybody's interested in, in booking a free trial and going through that process, that's a great way of, um, uh, we can you know, go through a more in-depth demo as well if you want to. Um, then we can really lift up the hood and talk about your MSP in more detail and uh, find out what you're trying to do and, and see if there's alignment there with what we're doing with this product. Um, 
certainly um, if there's um, any way at the very least that we could help and, and share some lessons in terms of scaling an MSB, um, then happy to happy to help in that regard as well. So now with with that said, um, I just sent out a, a little thing to everyone if they want to click that button, make it a little easier to hop onto your website and they can book that trial. Um, let's let's go back to the pricing real quick because I've got tough questions for you on pricing. It seems like it seems like all these vendors that want to work with us managed service providers just think that we're rolling in the dough. Um, you know, I, I think you are at uh, three forty nine. If we want to use this thing correctly, which would include all the features, you know, Connect Booster is a couple hundred. Uh, your PSA and RMMs probably costing you several hundred a month. Um, when does the bleeding stop, Jamie? <laughs> Look, I guess that it's important. I mean, um, and, and as I said to you before, I understand that um, they're all chipping away. Um, but look, in the scheme of things, if you're turning over millions of dollars, if you're only at sort of a half a mil or a mil, then obviously it hurts a little bit more. A lot of these um, mm -hmm. investments um, can be absorbed quite easily uh, as you get a wee bit bigger. And of course, growth is what you should be targeting. Uh, but look, I mean, my MSP, I think we spend about $4,000 a month just in our PSA tool, right? Uh, sorry, sure. it's not PSA, our RMM tool, et cetera. So we were trying to keep it down the lower end. Um, and as I said to you before, it's very much around ROI. So when we sat there looking at our product, we thought, okay, well, we obviously need to charge something for uh, for it. And, and we're more focused on trying to keep it at the low end, um, but, uh, but certainly focusing on the ROI. And... When so there's a couple of comments. One is you most of the tools that an MSP uses are internal tools. For for the most part, they are just internal and they are they're all wonderful. They're absolutely needed. I mean, you, it's very difficult to to run a business without a PSA or some level of ticketing or or so on. You need your accounting systems. You need all these sort of things to do it. But we do believe that uh, as part of your budget you need to start thinking about allocating to a uh, to an end user um, client portal app. This is the future. The end users have been starving for a better experience. It is why, again, I said to you, we've gone to the effort of actually commercializing it, uh, but it is a tool that is very different from all the other ones that you're using. All the other ones are, for the most part, internal, and they might have a basic uh, client view of it um, which which demonstrates some value there for you but when you can give your clients an actual tool that they're using day in day out I can only go back to the ROI um, examples and say to you you, you have to uh, look at the productivity that you'll get by reducing phone calls every minute that you save translates to a huge amount and if your mindset is around growing the business then you need to set up these types of platforms to ensure that you can grow the business. It, I've, I invented it because we were spiraling to some degree out of control. It's what happens when you get to a certain size. It's messy getting a lot of tickets a day over the phone. It's messy getting them over email. Okay, so the more you can start to get that traffic going through, uh, the easier it is for your business. So I would say to you that whilst there, there is an investment for our software, 
um, that is a level we think is fair and reasonable based on the ROI, um, there is a cost and it's a reasonable cost, but the cost is not the, the, the price of the product. The cost is you not doing something about it. And it's this age old sort of thing that you say to people, but it's true because sure. I've been through it all. I mean, everyone that's on the call um, and watching this video, there will be MSPs from size one person through to 40, through to 100, through to bigger. And I, so I've been on the journey one to 40, so I know what that feels like. I don't, I don't have experience past that, but from one to 40 is a big transition as a company, right? It's where you start to put in proper management teams and all those sorts of things. And I can, I know what it feels like along every part of that journey. And the, the more you can put in process to help you scale, the better. And I would be putting it to you that, um, that considering charging it is is something that would be um, uh, well it's it's well received in the sense that because you're giving the client something now I'm not talking about charging a huge amount you might say okay the client's paying me five hundred dollars a month charge them twenty dollars a month and say for twenty dollars a month flat fee I'm going to give you your own portal I have to cover the cost of it Mr and Mrs customer. But look, it's it's a low enough. It shouldn't be an issue. I, you're not really asking them either. I have to say, you're kind of saying, look, it's twenty dollars. But I'm I'm customising this. We're enhancing our service. Now, if they're paying two thousand three hundred and twenty dollars a month, you could probably get away with a hundred dollars. Now, our average size of clients about two thousand dollars a month, which is why we were able to charge a hundred on average, because to them it was a price that was kind of like, ah, okay, whatever, um, add it. But remember, you're giving them something that's customised for them. So. <laughs> If you just charged, if you had 50 customers and you had five big ones and you're paying my, my uh, investing in my software at say 350, um, you could probably charge those, just those five clients $50 each and cover the cost for the most part or $100 each. So there's, that's just one way of doing it. There's, there's, as I sort of gave the list before, there's so many ways that you can actually get the ROI that, um, and the experience, I mean, You've got to think about churn too and signing up new business. If you sign up a new client, on average, they tend to be about $1,000 a month because you're able to differentiate yourself and you won a deal and you actually got down to the final cut because you presented yourself more innovatively, bang, ROI. If you don't lose a customer that was kind of saying, guys, you're not proactive, I don't see any visibility, like what's going on, which we, we win deals like that all the time because smaller MSPs are just not focusing on that type of stuff, right? They're just not. So um, if you're able to then reduce churn, that $1,000 a month that you stopped from leaving the door, which just makes it harder to grow, um, is also a part of it. So the, the, the profound effect that you can create by having an end user tool that's customized per user, again, I feel like that's where the, the magic happens, is, uh, is significant. So I think you've got to look at it from an ROI perspective and not look at it from an investment perspective and you've got to look at it finally as the last well I don't know what the last last piece of the puzzle will be but for me right now I, I do believe and I started this presentation saying it is the last piece of the puzzle of the MSP stack you have to do something for the end user I think it's actually Maybe kind of embarrassing can I see something for a sec yeah go for oh, it we did not charge our customers anything extra for this and the reason for that is that the implementation of this product is purely selfish to reduce our phone calls because my guys can handle more and my guys get incentive-based pay. So if they can handle more, they make more money. So plain and simple. 
And look, that's a great example. Every MSP has a different view on it. Uh, once you get to a certain size, reduce, reducing phone calls in and of itself is just worth the price of the ticket. Um, and so, of course, um, so, so that's that's probably what I'd say there, Steve. I hope that that helps. And, and certainly, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it does. But I, I do want <clears throat> to, excuse me, I, I do have a little rebuttal with you. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the competition, okay? I've done the math for the for the parts that you have versus the parts that they have. Um, I can get their Windows and Mac software and the news portion for. Two thirty-eight a month, and that covers unlimited end users. And and I guess that's where I don't understand why you are charging based on the number of agents. I, I get it, you know, you, yours yours. Let's let's just say for lack of uh, argument, yours works better. Why do we have to pay for the number of? Uh, devices that this thing gets deployed on when at the end of the day, like you, you're not really doing anything differently. I don't think, I mean, we're, we're paying you for the platform. Why can't we just have the platform and use it all we need to? Mate, it's a fantastic challenger question. You're pushing me. Uh, look, first off, uh, it's a technical reason. It is an agent. It's more like an RMM tool. So I can't comment on what others are doing, but I can just say that in the way in which we've built the product, it's very much an agent based product. As you could see by the fact that it's pulling back to your servers and making sure that it's got the right configuration, it uh, so, so does. So is the other one. Yep. Well, again, I can only comment on what we've done here. <laughs> and okay. so the answer is that 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 it's over time based on uh, more utilization. So more agents puts more utilization on the back end of the actual platform itself. And so to a degree, um, there has to be acknowledgement that the more you use, the more um, it takes to to deliver the the awesomeness, which is the solution. Um, so that that has been factored into it. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of uh, why, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier in the piece. Um, why you should invest in a different model? Well, the result that I'm I'm showing you on the screen there. That's why. I mean, if you're buying the product just to tick a box and and say, well, I've got a client portal solution or an app, then then I don't think that's the point. So ours is very much an app. The competitors start off giving you a web portal, which again demonstrates that there's a lack of understanding of why people don't go to web portals. And the other thing I've noticed is that, um, uh, remember, I can't really comment on competition because I, it's not like I know the inner workings of it. But ultimately, um, we had a lot of people using the competitor. So we, we're new to market. We're giving you an option. We challenge the status quo. But they're saying that they're not getting a reduction in phone calls. They're saying that they're not getting an improved customer experience. And so we're already getting feedback saying, yes, I get it. This looks better. It feels better. It's more configurable. I get it now in terms of the actual um, behavioral issues that we're changing. So in terms of the licensing, it's just the way that we've chosen to done it, uh, to do it. So uh, like it or hate it, it's the most logical way of being able to scale the business uh, okay. and the most logical way of actually being able to, to do it. We've given um, packs of licensing so that it's abundant. 
so that you're not constantly worrying about how much you're actually paying. Most MSPs will fall into a certain size range and therefore you can pretty much use this product feeling comfortable that it the price is the price is the price without it constantly going up. It's visible, it's on the internet, there's no, we're not hiding anything in regards to it. But you know, we also want to uh, be around for the long run. We want to be a premium experience. We want to be innovating. We want to be um, churning through our roadmap. We want to be building a great company. And so if okay. even at that level you want to, you know, for people out there that want to actually be working with a great company, then of course, um, you know, you set a line in the sand and, and you do it. So look, I think the, the summary is just look at, you'd, you'd have to look at the value that you get, which is on the screen here. And if any of that resonates with you, that's why you'd buy it, not because of ticking a box. Okay. Now, um, two more questions I have. Go for um, one, what about the little guy? What about the MSP that has a hundred or fewer agents, but they want to start getting this stuff in place now? So I will, so there's a couple of things for anybody watching this live or other. Uh, if you have less, so our starting, uh, uh, our starting pack is 500 agents. If you have less than that, we will do a 250 agents pack for you for 149. You need to ask us for that and we'll do that deal for you. Uh, so you can get started. And if you uh, uh, would like to get in contact with us soon, we will actually give you the first three months uh, at half price and we'll give you uh, IT news panel and apps panel uh, free for 12 months. So you just That's need fantastic. to contact us and you just need to say that you watched the webinar. Uh, there's no end date on that you just have to reference i watched steve's webinar and thought it was great and and i want to take advantage of that offer so that's fantastic so so just to clear and that was actually going to be my second question so to clarify for for many of my my viewers they are smaller msps so Understood. even though your smallest package on the site is 500 you will let us get in on a 258 package for mm -hmm. 149 the first three months are half price so that that makes it approximately 75 bucks a month and Correct. for the first 12 months for the first year that's all they're paying to get all the features built into it well all the current correct features. and on top of that if you deploy the software within the first four weeks uh we'll give you a three-month money-back guarantee okay so if as long as we deploy it within a month, a month, right? Um, right? Then we get 90 days. We get three months to figure out, is this really for me? And and we can right. take our ball. We can go home. Uh, not only our ball, but all of our money too. <laughs> exactly. But you'll be delighted. I have to say, guys, I mean, it's. I understand that it's a new category. Uh, I understand that uh, not... It, it, it requires a little bit of thought to, to understand it, but but it I can't speak passionately enough about why I believe it's so important and why that you should at the very least get, you know, double your investment in terms of an ROI at the very least, uh, because it is that powerful. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. Um, as soon as you have an agnostic version, I'm going to sign up 
with those with those prices that you just mentioned. And if you are ready to beta test an agnostic version, I'm your man. Okay, great. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. So um, that said, uh, guys, I, I met Jamie at Autotest Community Live this year in Miami just a couple months ago, and I really like this product. I've used the competition. Um, there was uh, 0.0% end user buy it in the other product. And when I tried using it, uh, because that one also had a uh, technician portal, when I tried using it, I don't know if it was because it doesn't work well with Autotask, it works better with ConnectWise, or because I don't know. Um, but it sucked. It just absolutely sucked. Um, my, my experience was abysmal. Um, this software at the price that he just offered us is absolutely fantastic. I am buying it. Um, I, I recommend you guys sign up. I, I'm not getting anything for this. You know, he doesn't give me commission if, if you guys go sign up. The the commission is you guys just got a, a sweet price and a sweet deal. Okay, so um, that's that's what I have to say there. Um, Jamie, I, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. Uh, the the same goes for you. Um, Andrew. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Andrew. I was just getting to the other <laughs> screen. Andrew, thank you so much for, for coming on with us. Um, I know that you didn't get to, to, you know, enjoy the spotlight like I promised, but, uh, but, but oh. your, your input was valuable. All and I, I want in life is an unfair advantage. You, you can have the spotlight. Thank you. I like it. I like it. Um, Jamie, I, I, I will be uh, speaking with you shortly. Um, everyone else here, uh, will he email the attendees the promo? Um, I will because Jamie doesn't get access to anyone that, that signed up and registered uh, because as I told him and as I've told all the other vendors that have come on, I don't give that out. Um, that is, I don't, I don't play that game because I don't like getting unsolicited emails. I know you guys don't either. Um, so with that said, uh, Please enjoy your Thanksgiving for those of you that are uh, in America. For those of you that aren't, uh, don't call us on Thursday or probably not Friday either. Um, and uh, next week we have one webinar on Thursday because everyone is still going to be too full to come to a webinar on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to talk about another processes and procedures 2.0 video. We're going to do onboarding, how to do a successful onboarding. So thank you so much for attending, everybody. This is going to go up on YouTube for anyone that missed parts. Uh, I'll get that on um, before Thanksgiving. And you all have a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks again. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. I wish you all the best. Have you been looking for a way to stay focused on your goals and grow your MSP? Accountability groups from Rocket MSP can help. We offer weekly accountability sessions that meet online with a group of your peers. Your success begins with accountability. Go to www.rocketmsp.io to join your accountability group today.